The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Wow, we've got a really interesting show for you today, and I can't wait to share it with you. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom, and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. Today, we're discussing an evolutionary new model of success in business and in life. We're talking about your soul, your role, and your goal, and how they impact the new game of business. And our guest today is one of my favourite mentors, Mitch Axelrod, and Mitch has certainly mastered all three. A self-employed entrepreneur since 1978, Mitch is a number one best-selling author, speaker, visionary and trusted voice in business and personal development. He has presented three and a half thousand seminars, workshops, keynotes, webinars, teleconferences and clinics to more than a million people on entrepreneurship, business, sales, marketing, life skills, and playing what he refers to as the new game. Mitch has lectured and taught classes at NYU, USC, Notre Dame, and presented his newest work, The Soul, Role, Goal of Leadership, at Harvard University, T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Today, we'll talk about soul, role, goal, and the new game of business. Mitch, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Shirley. (laughs) From across the pond, all the way across the double pond. Nice (laughs) to be with you, as always. Thanks, Mitch. And I just want to uh, make a note here, too. If you notice Mitch's infectious energy here, and whenever I've been talking with Mitch, and we've done a lot of Skype work across the pond, as he says, Mitch calls himself the CEO. And what that means is the Chief Encouragement Officer. So as we talk this morning, just I want you to get a sense of that, because Mitch will really encourage you to go after what you want. And you know that that's my mission in life. So Mitch, tell us, your story, how come you chose the path that you have? Uh, well, because I coined a phrase about 25 years ago. I realized it early on in my life that I was psychologically unemployable. <laughs> and and I, I realized that when I was 23 years old, uh, I got out of college and I went to work for a, a little company called Exxon in the Garmin Center of Manhattan. At the time, it was the number one Fortune 500 company. And I made 5,000 cold calls in the summer of 1978, and I did not make one single sale. 
And that summer of 78 taught me so much about life and business and everything. And after doing that for three months, up and down the skyscrapers in Manhattan, I said to myself, you know what? Um, I'm going into business for myself. I don't want to work for anybody else. And so I got my insurance license and I started in business on Halloween, October 31st, 1978. And I have been self-employed, or as I like to say, psychologically unemployable ever since. Um, and the story is, uh, it's, it twists and turns like everybody else's life. Uh, but I've, I've just learned so much about myself more than anything. Uh, but I've learned a lot by being self-employed, um, over these 37 years. So we'll share some of that here today with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people say that if you're in business, it's the biggest personal development program you'll ever go on. <laughs> so. Well, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I talk about what is it, what does it take to be self-employed, to be in your own business? It takes uh, resilience. It takes um, in just a, a willingness to bounce back from heartbreak and setback and disappointment. Um, very, very rarely do you end up where you think you're going to end up. So it's important to start somewhere rather than trying to figure out all the steps in advance. Um, and I, and I learned something which I kind of popularized this phrase, even though I didn't originate it, uh, and that is uh, imperfect action beats perfect inaction every single time. And, and I was a perfectionist. I, I always liked to get A's. I always liked to do my best work, you know. And I'd be my worst enemy because I would criticize myself if I weren't perfect. And then one day I looked in the mirror and I just screamed at myself, Mitch, take imperfect action. And, and so that sort of became one of my, my guiding lights, you know, is to take imperfect action because there is no such thing as perfection. It's only a concept. And, and so if you can really em- embrace that, everything you're going to do, you're going to do imperfectly, then everything doesn't seem quite as scary as, it, as you thought it might be. So, uh, so these are a few of the, the little nuggets of wisdom. We'll, we'll share more as we go along that I've picked up over the 37 years. Yeah, and and I know that action is really important. And I know as we've worked together in the past, where you know you would say to me, "Go and do this," and and I would go and do it. And I can tell you, sometimes I didn't really want to go and do it. <laughs> and I can, you know, attest to that. Where you were saying about making those five thousand cold calls. Thankfully, I didn't have to make cold calls. Um, well, maybe I should have, but anyway. Um, and I can remember one time you saying to me, Shirley, just go and put your big girl panties on and go and do it. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've never actually believed in the phrase tough love. I think it's a, it's a contradiction of terms. I know we like, we like to equate love with toughness. But there's nothing tough about love, really, if you think about it. Love is love. There's, it's, it's, it's abundant. It's unconditional. And, and so I never really think of what I share with people as tough love. That's why I, I kind of coined the phrase chief encouragement officer, because I realized throughout my life that when I was down, when I wasn't doing my best, or when I needed a little boost, or when I needed a little help, there was always somebody there to lift me up. Um, some, sometimes people say, hey, Mitch, where does the chief encouragement officer go for encouragement? Right? <laughs> well, you know, you got to surround yourself with people who want to uplift you and, and at the same time people who tell you the truth 
so that you get both sides of things. And, and so, yeah, many times in my life I had to put my big boy pants on um, and <laughs> suck it up, you know. Uh, but, you know, this is part of life. Life isn't a straight arrow. Life is a journey. It's an adventure. Um, and the more we live in all three of these dimensions, you know, three-dimensional life that most of us are living two-dimensionally, we're so focused on, on the right or wrong or good or bad or perfect or imperfect or success or failure, there's a school in Florida that in every classroom there's a plaque or some sort of a, 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 a wall hanging with a quote that I came up with 25 years ago that I shared you know, for the past 25 years, and a woman puts it on her refrigerator, uh, her daughter, and, and she read it every day, and then she takes it into school. The next thing you know, it's, it's throughout the school. And mm-hmm. the quote goes like this. It, you, there is no such thing as failure. You succeed or you learn. Mm. And, and I've always believed that the word failure, if you just look at the energy in that word failure, um, my goodness. It's a horrible word. So I think you should strike the word failure from your vocabulary and frame everything that you do in the context that I'll either succeed or I'll learn. And sometimes the learning is so much more valuable than the success. Uh, But it takes the component of failure out of the equation. And now if you can't fail, you can only succeed or learn. And that's the truth. You're not playing a game with yourself. Because if you look at everything in life, it was either a success or a learning experience. So little things like that, little mantras like that constantly remind me, uh, and I, I have to keep reminding myself 37 years into this journey. Yeah, well, I can tell you I've learned lots. <laughs> if, if I look at it from success or learning, then there's plenty, plenty that I've learned. So, um, <laughs> Mitch, you... <laughs> And, and continue to do so, I must say. And one other point I just wanted to make there, Mitch, too, is that uh, often it, people in business, I find, feel lonely because, uh, you know, there's not too many people that you can go and talk to. And when we're looking for that encouragement, you know, we spend so much time boosting our employees and, and helping them along that sometimes it can be lonely for us. And we go, well, yeah, who, who can encourage me and, and who can I share stuff with? And I find that entrepreneurs, they go through the same stuff, but they don't always necessarily share it with others. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the big distinctions in the new game of business is your team is as important or more important than your talent. In the old game of business, you went as far as your talent would take you. And the old game was a mountain climb up the corporate ladder or the business ladder, and you climbed as high as your talent and ability would permit you and the company would encourage you. Today, though, because we're in an interdependent world, that's another critical distinction of the new game of business, your team could be as or more important than your talent because your talent can only take you so far. But if you surround yourself with a team of people who can leverage you and who can actually support and and complement you, you can do wonderful, amazing things that you couldn't do by yourself. And, And this is really the entrepreneur dilemma is do I do it myself, or do, you know, but do, I don't have to do it alone. So we'll, come, we'll talk on the other side of, of the break a little bit more about these different kinds of businesses and self-employment, 
but it's really critical to know yourself. I think of all the things that I've learned over 37 years and, and my entire life, is the more you know about yourself, really go deep into yourself, the more you bring out to the world, uh, the more you have to offer the world, and the more fun and fulfillment you're going to get in your life. So I, I've really made it a point to go very deep into, into self-knowledge. And I love that you mentioned that because that's one of my passions is personal development. So, um, and I find that a lot of people don't necessarily have that self-awareness and I think sometimes it's our job to give it to them in a nice way, of course. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a short break. We'll be with you in a couple of minutes and when we come back, we're going to talk about what is your sole role and goal and how that impacts on your success in life and business. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And thanks again for joining us. We're back. So we're talking with Mitch Axelrod, and Mitch has the new game of business. And what Mitch has learned over the last 37 years of being in business for himself is that we need to rely on our inner um, resilience, you know, this willingness to bounce back even after setbacks and that rarely will we end up where we think we will be and to just start. And in fact, Mitch's mantra there is imperfect action beats perfect inaction every time. And so as we move through this, I'm really excited now to get into what Mitch has, has termed your soul, your role, and your goal. So, Mitch, tell us a little about this. Well, how it happened was um, 25 years ago, I was introduced to a science called axiology. 
axiology is actually a dictionary word, and it, the word itself is two words from, the, I think, the Latin or the Greek, axio, which is value, logi, which is logic, right? And so axiology is the science and study of human value. And so I spent quite a few years delving into this science, and in 1996, uh, my wife and I divorced, and I had been on the road as a full-time speaker for about eight years. And I was doing anywhere between 80 and 100 gigs a year. I shared the platform with, with some of the best-known speakers in the world. And we made a decision to divorce, and I did not want to be a weekend dad. And so I came to this point in my life, it was a big crossroads of, well, I can't be on the road 100 days a year and be a full-time stay-at-home dad. I can't be a full-time stay-at-home dad and be on the road 100, years, 100 days a year. So my goal, which was to be a, a full-time speaker, which I was, and train people and coach people and impact people, but my soul was calling me home. And, I, mm-hmm. and in between was my role, and my role was confused. Is like, okay, do I become an obedient slave to my goal, which means I can't be home to raise my son, so I would ignore my soul, or do I listen to my soul, which said, okay, go home, play the full-time role of, of dad at home, single dad, and then adjust my goal accordingly, right? And, and so mm-hmm. that's what I did. I talked to colleagues, and uh, one colleague actually convinced me to do it in a negative way. He said, Mitch, are you crazy? You're going to walk away. You're at the top of your game. You're a superstar. You're making great money. You're getting worldly now. And I said, he said, in 10 years, nobody's going to remember you. If you leave now, nobody's going to remember you. And I said, you know what? Thank you. Because you just convinced me that to go home is the right move. Because if in 10 years nobody remembers me, that's okay. But if in 10 years my son doesn't remember me because I'm on the road all the time, that's not okay. I I weaned off my my speaking career. And over the next year, I, I wound down from 100 gigs to 10 gigs. And by the second year, I was off the road. And what I discovered was our entire success model that I'd been taught up until that point was built on goal, goal, and more goal. Mm-hmm. Your six, we, we were taught about goal setting and goal getting. If you look at what success is defined at, it's how many goals do you have? How big are they? How, many, how fast do you accomplish them? Uh, B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm-hmm. And yet, with all the goal setting and goal getting, we never seem to address the real issue, which is what is our soul calling us for? And so it was at that point that I made a 180-degree change, and since then I've lived sort of out of this mantra, and that is I did my soul setting and my role setting, and then I did my goal setting. And I just love that. Of that. Yeah, so that was the big, big aha for me. And when I first heard that you tell us that, and I can remember it was at a mastermind with John Asaraf, and you stood up and you said the exact thing about do your soul setting and then your role setting and your goal setting. 
And I just about fell off the chair because that's exactly not what we'd ever been taught. It was always, as you say, goal, goal, goal. And just as you were saying it, I was getting goosebumps again listening to that. And I'm thinking of our listeners out there who might be just getting this aha for the first time to go, wow, I'm out there peddling, 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 and I'm going for these goals. And in some cases, not all, because some people are very aligned, but if you're not aligned, then you're not you're not feeling excited about that goal. And that's a term I think you use called goal frustration. So you know, tell us some more, because I find this fascinating, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Well, there's three um, stress factors that I discovered that are not in the physician's desk reference. They're not in the medical journal. There's no conversation around them in the holistic health communities, uh, and partly because there was no context for them. There was no label and no words for them. And I call it soul frustration, role frustration, and goal frustration. And using the science of axiology, we actually have a tool that in 15 minutes can measure your values with the precision of a thermometer measuring your body temperature and we can actually tell you which of these three and, and, and how much of these three frustrations are affecting you along with about 100 other things. And what I discovered after working with this tool and, and, and working with people over the past 25 years is that 75% of us have one or more of those. About two-thirds of us have two or more of those, two of those. And believe it or not, Shirley, 50% of us are walking around with all three Soul frustration, role frustration, goal frustration. I'll give you a quick definition of what they are. Um, if you are not where you think you ought to be right now or should be right now, you have goal frustration. Goal frustration is the distance between where you are and where you think you ought to or should be at this point in your life. The bigger the distance, the bigger the frustration, the bigger the stress, and unfortunately, for many people, they don't even know it because they just think they're not getting their goals. So it must be them. They must be defective because, you know, the, the goal is absolute. So it must be something wrong with you. No, you have goal frustration. And the antidote may be don't set bigger goals or more goals or push harder. It may be move up to the next level and start doing some soul setting and goal setting first. The second which is if you are not doing what you value or you're not getting value from what you do or worse, you're getting disvalue, you're, you're disliking what you do, thinking you have to do it, you have no more choice or other choice because that's what you have to do to get the goal or that's what you have to do, you have role frustration. Role frustration afflicts about two-thirds of us where we're not satisfied in what we're doing or we're not getting value from what we're doing or we're not doing what, you va what we value. In the U.S., two-thirds to 75%, depending upon the statistics you read, of the people working are disengaged from their work. They have role frustration. It's raging like an epidemic. Mm. The, thir the third one is soul frustration, and soul frustration is, I'm not feeling like I'm really being true to my, myself. I'm not being who I really am. I'm not fully expressed. There's a part of me I've stuffed down underneath my real true being to try to be this other person, this role I have to play, or to the, get the goal, 
but I feel like I'm suppressed in some way. I'm not fully expressed. Uh, if that's you, in any way, shape, or form, you have soul frustration. Okay? Now, when I discovered this 20-something years ago, I realized I had all three. I had soul <laughs> frustration, world frustration, and goal frustration. But there was no conversation, no context for it, and certainly no antidote for it. And so this has become part of my overall mission because these three frustrations affect every part of our life, every part of our work. It affects our business, it affects our career, it affects our relationships. And there's no context. So now we're creating a context for the conversation around how do you get rid of soul frustration, role frustration, and goal frustration. And the starting point is really to acknowledge it and then do your soul setting and role setting and then your goal setting. And that might actually help you start to relieve some of the frustration. Yes, and I know that people would be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I might be able to relate to this, but what do I do about it? And so how do I go about setting my, my soul? Um, you know, how do I set my soul? Boy, that, you know, that's the question I get most often. Uh, nobody ever asked me how to set goals, right? <laughs> Everybody knows how to set goals. The first question that comes up is, well, Mitch, what do I do with my soul? How do I set my soul? It's like, well, wait a second. The, the, here's the truth. The truth is we all know our true north. And, and part of it is because we've built up so much marble and, and, uh, and steel over top of our true nature over the years, becoming domesticated and conditioned and focusing on goal, and that, there, that we actually have become disconnected from our intrinsic value, not just our soul in terms of what moves us, what, what the energy level that comes from us, but actually who we are as beings. You know, if you look at soul is who you be, role is what you do, and goal is where you're going. And if we're spending so much time in the going, the going, the going, and maybe the doing to get the going, there's not much less time left over for being. So the question is, who are you being while you're doing all the doing and going all the going? All right. <laughs> That's the question I'm asking myself every day. And because life is not perfect, because we're constantly moving through these three dimensions, you know, today I'm a little more soulful or a little more woeful, tomorrow I'll be more goalful, but to be conscious of it and to be able to design a life that's congruent and aligned from within as opposed from the goal-setting model, which is from without, and always dependent upon something outside of us for our satisfaction, fulfillment, accomplishment, and achievement, and is a very harsh taskmaster because the goal is either goal or no goal. It's 100% mm -hmm. or zero. Okay? So what I discovered is that there are people walking around like me who had soul frustration and role frustration and goal frustration, they didn't have a language for it. Now we have a language for it. We have a tool to measure it. We have a conversation around how to get rid of it. Uh, but like anything else, you know, diagnosis can be as much as 80 to 90% of the cure. Once you know what you don't know, once you become that conscious incompetent, where you now know what you didn't know before, you're now in a position for transformation. And that's really the breakthrough. Yes, I love that. And, you know, it just reminds me, my very first job was as a typist in a government agency doing people's car licenses and vehicle registrations. 
and my parents made me go and learn to type to get the job. And after seven years, like all I wanted to do was to teach. And finally, I plucked up the courage to say, you know what, I'm leaving this good government job. And I went to university because that's my calling. And and every day I teach in some way, shape or form. And so in that way, I'm actually aligned with my soul. I'm working now on the role and the goal. And so I want to encourage continue this conversation when we come back from a short break because I'm sure that there'll be our listeners there that are thinking wow well if I'm not in alignment with my soul then what do I do I just leave my job and go oh I'm off to follow my soul and to be who I can be let's talk about this in a few minutes we'll be right back From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover BusinessFreedomFighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. We've been talking with Mitch Axelrod about the new game of business. And Mitch was talking to us about our soul, role and goal. And your soul is who are you being, your role is what are you doing, and the goal is where are you going. You know, and that fits really nicely in with my mission in life, which is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. Now, there's a danger here, though. We were just talking in the break, and Mitch was giving me an example of a client that he worked with just recently. So, Mitch, I don't want to steal that thunder. Tell me that story. Uh, well, last year I got to speak at Harvard University on this very subject, the sole role goal of leadership for healthcare leaders. Um, and one of the healthcare leaders asked me to speak to uh, the, C- the she was the CEO of a council 
Uh, and so I did a three-hour Skype session with them on the soul, the role, and the goal, and what's the goal of healthcare, what's the role of healthcare, what's the soul of healthcare, and then apply that to yourself. What's your goal? What's your role? What's your soul calling you to do? Uh, and as it turns out, uh, one of her key executives three weeks later came in and said, after that session on soul, role, and goal, I realized that what I want to do is go home and raise my newborn daughter, and I want to be around with her for every single day. And I wasn't going there because I thought I had to do my goal, and I had to continue to play the role that my goal called me to play. And she said, for the first time, I realized that that was what my soul was calling me to do, very much like what happened with me. And so she gave a resignation, and, and the CEO was a little bit stunned, but you know, wasn't totally surprised. And I said, look, it's a bold move when you bring somebody in to talk about and, and actually explore what is the soul of your organization. What are the, what's the soul of your people? Because they have so much more to offer. And, and what she said to me was, you had given us a quote at Harvard, she said, that really turned my life around. And here's the quote. I said, uh, why I don't like job descriptions is because job descriptions box people in. And here's what I said. I said, stop shrinking people to fit the job. Expand the job to fit the person. And she said, that just so struck me because I realized that we have been boxing people into the job description box, putting boxes and borders and boundaries around them, and they have so much more to offer if we were to let go of those boxes and stop treating people like they're widgets in a box and have to sit inside a box. Every single organization in, in, in the world has an unbelievable wellspring of gold, talent, ability, wisdom, sitting in their, co their company, if they would just let go of the box and stop shrinking people to fit the job description. And so it's a, it's a very bold move, and it's a very enlightened move if you want to really bring up this whole issue of the sole role goal of business or the sole role goal of leadership or the sole role goal of healthcare. Mm. Wow, that, that one's just taken me by surprise there with you, um, stop shrinking people to fit the job. Um, I'm just sitting here sort of going, wow, um, <laughs> that's really something to think about because we spend so much time on working out the job descriptions, on working out the key performance indicators and the key behaviour indicators. So I'm going to really think about that myself, expanding the job to fit the person. Mitch, you are, do come up with a lot of quotes, and one of them I know is, are you a jockey or a horse? So can you explain the difference and talk about what you call the four horsemen of self-employment? Yeah, I started asking this question a long time ago, uh, long before this last five years of hyper-entrepreneurialism growth, and, uh, and the question really begs us to look inside and ask, are we a jockey or a horse? A jockey is someone who works with or for someone else, a business, and rides that business into the money. So an employee, uh, a salesperson, an agent, a broker, a distributor. In other words, if you are not the company or the manufacturer of the, of the business, the product, the service, or whatever, you're a jockey. And in the old game, most of our parents and grandparents were jockeys. They worked for someone else. 
But now, really, everybody is what I call, 20 years ago, I coined a phrase, the virtual entrepreneur. In fact, my very first internet-based training course was called the Virtual Entrepreneur's Survival Kit. And it was about the idea that everybody is a virtual entrepreneur. Even if you work for somebody, you want to think of yourself that way because you own your job, you own your career, you don't, have, you don't ask for permission anymore, you have the ability to direct and control your choices and the direction of your career, very different than the older generation where they went to work for a company and they waited to get tapped on the shoulder and say, yeah, it's your turn, you get promoted today. So all promotion is self-promotion, all right? And, and so if you are a business owner, if you do move toward the business, there's four different ways to be self-employed. Entrepreneur is the common phrase, and everybody lumps everybody together under this phrase, but this is a misleading phrase. Entrepreneur is really in the truest sense, or people who start ventures with the idea that they're going to move out of a venture, so they start and flip it, or they start and they get somebody else to run it, then they start another, and then they start another. Less than one-tenth of one percent of our population are true entrepreneurs in the sense of that I'm describing, all right? Everybody seems like they want to be an entrepreneur, but they, it's like, you know, going to heaven. We all want to go to heaven, but none of us want to die to get there. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, being an entrepreneur is not really easy and not suitable for a lot of people. So I'm making that distinction because that will help you to understand the second type of self-employed person, which is the business owner. The business owner starts one business, runs it for a long time, builds it, develops it, and puts 100% attention on making that one business successful. That was the most common form of business in the bricks-and-mortar days, where people actually had to sink money into a company. It's called sunk cost. You had an office. You had furniture. You had phone lines. You had equipment. Okay? Today, you could start a business for no money, which is double-edged sword. Okay. On one hand, you can start it for no money, which some, for some people means no commitment, no real effort. But when you start a business with ten, twenty, fifty, or hundred thousand dollars of sunk cost, you have a different attitude toward it. So that's mm-hmm. the second type of self-employed person, the business owner. The third is the practitioner. The practitioner is the person who likes to do the work, the art of the work. Practitioners are people who develop practices like psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, massage therapists, lawyers, actually started off as practitioners before big law firms collided and combined into big businesses. But law is a practice. Medicine was a practice. These are people who actually do the work, love the art of the work. I am by nature a practitioner. I love the work I do. I love the art of the work I do. I play for the love of the game. And to me, the game is about the art of the work. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fourth person, the fourth self-employed is the free agent. The free agent is a person who will do anything, anytime, anywhere, any kind of job, project, or odds and ends, just so he doesn't have to work for the man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just so he doesn't have to go in and punch a clock and sit in an office or anything, and that he could take off a month and then work for a month or work for a week and whatever. That's the free agent, right? So now mm-hmm. listen to those four, the entrepreneur, the startup, 
loves the art of the store. The business owner loves the art of building it narrow and deep. The practitioner loves the art of the work. And the, the free agent just wants to do whatever they have to do so they don't have to work for the man. Mm-hmm. We, we all tend to be gravitate toward one of those as being more suitable for us. So when people say you've got to be an entrepreneur or a business owner, be very careful about those distinctions because there's very different kinds of tasks and different kinds of personalities for those different types of horsemen, if you will. Yet you can, and some people are hybrid. I was a hybrid. I've done the entrepreneur thing. I've done the business owner thing, which I don't like. I love, I realize I love the practice. I love the art of my work. And so now as I evolve my own business, I want to spend more time doing what I love and less time doing those other things that I'm not as well suited for and I don't get the satisfaction and payoff for. So there's your four four horsemen, and I'll conclude it with this. I don't like the reference that people make to jobs as J-O-B just over broke. There are plenty of people who are better suited to work for someone else because they want to do what they love to do and they just want to go to work and make their living and then leave and go enjoy the rest of their life. They don't want to be 24-7 on all day, every day, where you're always on and always responsible, which is kind of how it is for business owners. So don't feel like if you don't become one of the four horsemen that somehow you're inferior you, there are plenty of people who build a great life with great money and great future and great retirement working within an organization. So there you have the distinction between jockey and horse. And I love that, Mitch, because in my work that I've done with a lot of business owners and we've looked at um, their people processes and, and possibilities and we start out by streamlining the business and part of it has been helping people to go from being the technician to the business owner and the model that you've come up with there, it, it's and I know it's a funny thing to say, but it gives people permission to say, you know what, I really like doing what I'm doing. I actually don't want to be the big CEO of this big company. And so you can really start to look at that now and think, well, if I'm having trouble delegating, is it because I really don't want to do it and I would rather be a practitioner? And if so, then maybe running that business is is not the thing that you want to do. So this is fascinating. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to wrap up on this and then Mitch is also going to tell us about the new game of selling. So stay with us. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. 
If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, we've been talking with Mitch Axelrod, and we've been talking about the new game of business. And Mitch has been talking to us about our soul, role and goal. And for some of us that we might be experiencing soul, role or goal or all three frustration where we're not doing exactly what we feel called to do. And then from there we went on and we talked about the four horsemen of self-employment. And so this may help you to understand why it is that you might be reluctant when people are saying to you, well, you have to build the business. I know one person said to me one time, um, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a CEO? And I thought about it and I thought, no, I don't want to do that because I imagine myself in a big chair at a big table with no connection to people. And so here at Reclaim Your Freedom, we're all about helping people to create the business and the lifestyle that you want. And another thing that Mitch has to say, which really fits in with this, is he says, freedom is selling and selling is freedom. So freedom is selling and selling is freedom. So come on, Mitch, tell us what this means. Okay, well, um, when I first got into business, I looked around and I said, who are the people who are employed, doing well? And I noticed a common theme. They were all selling something, a product, a service, an issue, a cause, a software, or something. And so I realized that I didn't have any background in selling at all. And so when I came out of college and I started to work, I started to learn how to sell. Because I always felt that no matter what happened in the marketplace, if I go to work for a company, the company goes out of business or they change or they get bought, I'm, I'm vulnerable. But if I could sell and sell myself, my products, my services, even if I were employed, I'd want to be able to get, my, get myself into a position where I could sell. So I realized that if I were going to be financially free and financially independent, the chances are much greater if I learned how to sell. So I dedicated my entire life to becoming really good at selling. And my early experience was I was taking courses after courses, and I never felt comfortable with all the pushing and shoving and the manipulation and the trial closes and the objections, and I said, this isn't for me. And so I developed my own training program. It's taken on many iterations over the years. I started with my own company, uh, uh, doubled my sales three consecutive years, uh, and then I came out with a program called 21 Ways to Double Your Sales. Uh, What I ultimately realized was that the old game of selling 
never felt good to me. And so I wrote and developed a training called The New Game of Selling. And I've been using it and teaching it now for 25 years. We've taught over a million people. And basically, it's, it's how do you sell in a way that you're really helping people to make a good buying decision as opposed to sitting down and doing a pitch or a presentation. And, and so it's a radically different approach, and we've taught it to everybody in just about every industry. And the people that resonate with it most are two types of people, people that hate to sell, Right. In the old way. Right. The people that, you know, have to learn scripts and presentations and tie downs and handling objections. And then the people who love to sell really love it because it gives them a whole new way to open up opportunity and possibility. So the new game of selling to me and and the ability to be able to sell yourself, to to really feel good and confident about selling your value in the marketplace it really all starts with you. So I wrote this program for me because I was so uncomfortable, and now I've taught it to over a million people. Uh, it's created $3 billion of revenue, uh, and now we have a complete training uh, with 55 video modules, and, uh, and so it's one of my proudest accomplishments. And, and here's an irony. We developed the training and taught it for years and years, decades, until 2013, I actually never wrote the book. And in 2013, I wrote the book. It became a number one bestseller uh, on Amazon, The New Game of Selling. So in my estimation, as you improve your ability to sell yourself, your product, your service, your issue, your cause, your boss, your kids, your spouse, all right, your value in the marketplace goes up, your confidence goes up, and your self-worth goes up. So I really do equate the ability to sell with a certain degree of freedom. Yes, and I know that I've implemented a lot of the techniques and the strategies that you've come up with because I'm one of those people, you know, that pushing and shoving and handling objections. Oh, man, I would rather, as uh, John Asaraf says, put pins in my eyes than go and do that. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. for me it's just inauthentic and um and so, Mitch, you're a best-selling author with this book, and I know that um, for our listeners today, you're actually going to give them some samples of some of this training. And so if you're in, in involved in selling or you want to be, then I would really encourage you to get that. So um, did you want to say a quick word about your gift there? And I'll tell people where they can get it. Sure. Well, we have, um, we have some sample modules. We have a great report, a confidential report called Push Button Profits. If you're in any kind of business, truth is we all sell. We all sell ourselves all the time. And either you're selling or buying. So it, you might as well get better at selling. And so if, if you go to this, uh, this gift page, you'll be able to watch a live 20-minute video where I explain the entire process. Then you'll be able to watch some samples of our video training. You'll be able to download um, a special report and the entire table of contents. And then there's a special link there that if you decided you'd like to find out more about how to actually start to utilize the training uh, and, the, and the process, uh, you can do that as well. And there's a very special pricing uh, at that page also. Okay, so if you want to get access to those videos and those free reports, then go to shirleysradiogifts.com. Shirley's radio gifts.com. And I just love the way that Mitch is able to take 
the the way that we are, you know, and be authentic and to be able to go and have a conversation with people and serve them rather than, oh, I've got to get my quota, I've got to get this person signed up. It's really not about that. It's really coming from a point of view of service. And um, I don't know if you want to talk to that, Mitch, because I, I can remember, um, you know, one of your four points there, if you would like to share that just briefly, you know, the, the RAM system. And uh, we've got about one minute if you want to do okay, that. Okay, well, you know, what I'd rather do is I'd rather leave you with this little quick story. When I was 15 years old, I had my first real job. I was a short, short order cook and a counter boy, and I was serving breakfast and lunch to people. And a guy stuffs a dollar bill in my, in my hand after $2 tab. And I said, oh, I can't take that. And he says, no, young man, let me tell you how the world works. You served me. You came here with a smile on, my face, on your face. You were wonderful. You deserve that. Take it. Okay? And I looked at him, and I realized in that moment and really have lived out of this mantra my entire life. I love and serve people, and they reward me with their money. And if, all I, if I ever got stuck or I was broke, and I've been broke many times in my life, if I resort back to I love and serve people, and they will reward me with their money. It doesn't go the other way. You don't get rewarded first and then love and serve them. If you can love <laughs> and serve people in the spirit of loving and serving, you will never have to want for work or a job because there's so many people in the world that need love and serve. Uh, and, and so that would, that's been my mantra. That's been my true north. It's been my guiding light. And it's always been my fallback position when things get tough. Love and serve people, and they reward you with their money. And so what, where to for, for you, Mitch? Um, we've got about 30 seconds there. So where to from here? Uh, where to from here? That's a good question. Wherever my feet take me next. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm in with the that river, man, really. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the river and I'm flowing with the river. <laughs> I love it. So I love and serve people and they reward me with money. In fact, I think that's a mantra that I'm going to put on my affirmations and, uh, and my mind movies. I love and serve people. They reward me with money. And when you get clear about your soul and your role and your goal, then you'll lose the frustration so I want to thank you, Mitch, so much today for sharing this with us. I can see all of the conversations people will be having all around the world. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. That's all we've got time for. I'm Shirley Dalton. We've been talking with Mitch Axelrod. And until next week, I encourage you to continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 